Boats fam, here we are. I am at Forsyth Park right now. Um, had an appointment today out here in Savannah, and I figured why not just record out here where it's so beautiful and give you a little give you a little fountain scene, a little fountain action. So uh, today's Too Easy Tuesday, and this is when I'm bringing something, uh, a strategy or technique to you that is. Um, it's easy, easily implemented, um, a simple or a simple concept that will have profound impact when implemented on a regular basis. Um, it usually, I try to make it something that that can build. Um, so once you implement it, then it builds on the other skills that we're talking about, and and it's and it's you have the. The returns on the investment for this are, are high, so it's something that you that doesn't expend a lot of energy or time or focus, uh, but will give you a lot of return back on the backside. So today we're going to be focused on what's the next right thing. Um, so this is this is a direct steal. The the phraseology came from I just went this weekend with my kids to see Frozen Two, and that was like the theme of the movie, uh, and, that, and not to give any any Frozen Two spoilers. Because it's still in theaters, so. Uh, but one of the themes of it, and that's as far as I'll take it there, is uh, do the next right thing. And so, and the premise is when the chips are down and you're not feeling it, you're in a slump. Then what do you do? And you can't you can't see the future in front of you the way that you were able to see it before, um, and everything's dark and ominous, and your motivation's down. Then what do you do? And, the, what they say in the movies do the next right thing and so that was actually something that I've been working on it wasn't with that I wasn't to me it was like it was like working through the, how do you work through the slumps so one of the things that I I think it's important to identify is the fact that we all slump right we all have slumps we all have down days and down times and to not acknowledge that is to not align yourself with the reality of your life. It's not to say that you display it to everyone, and maybe you're the type of person who shows up every day, and regardless of the way that you're feeling, um, you give the presence uh, your full energy, and you're, and you're there, you're locked in, and that's great. I think that's fantastic to be able... It's, that goes kind of along the lines of uh, fake it till you make it. Um, but what I'm talking about is how... is the fact that slumps are universal, and if you're... If you're acknowledging the fact that they're universal, then you need to come up with a plan for how to address it when they do come up. Because failing to plan... Because failing to plan is planning to fail. And I know it's tiresome, worn-out expressions and, and phraseology, but it, it absolutely matters. Uh, and it's absolutely real. These, these cliches exist for a reason, like I've said before. It wouldn't be cliches if there wasn't power and truth behind it. So, if you are failing to plan for these slumps, then you're guaranteed to fail. So, I can't tell you the best way for you to handle it. I can provide you with an example or a template from what I use to best manage these times, and, and it's and it's particularly important right now because we are entering the time of year when 
our New Year's resolutions are going to be challenged, where we are going to fall back on our old habits and the new ones that we've tried to establish. Uh, you might, you've, your, your life that you were living before is going to come up and start to challenge uh, the life that you were living before, and that is concurrent. Um, your job and your and your family and everything is going to. Continue to demand in the way that it's demanded before, and sometimes it's going to be more in some areas, and and sometimes it's going to be more in others. But it's so implementing change and long-lasting, enduring change to try to get the most out of yourself and your life um, is difficult over a long period of time in these transitionary phases before you lock in the difference uh, in habits that you're trying to instill. And so if you're trying to lock in those new habits, if you don't acknowledge the fact that you're going to hit slumps with it, then, and like I said, you're, you're planning to fail. Like, you're guaranteed to, to lose it once these slumps happen. Because a lot of times, uh, those self-help coaches and everything, they're going to come up and they're going to say, uh, they're going to talk about the beginning. They're going to talk about the origin uh, getting the motivation to get there. And all of that's super important. I'm all about that stuff, too. Uh, I'm a huge fan of origin stories <laughs> in all, all respects. So, But it's when you're... It's not a lot of people like to talk about the, the where, where the rubber meets the road and where, it's, where it gets difficult. Because, yeah, it's difficult to break away from the, the habits that you've had before and to, and to find the new ones. I, that's kind of exciting. There's excitement there. And so what is missing is once you get past that excitement, how do you sustain it when the excitement wanes? It becomes part of a, a kind of a routine, but not enough where it's instilled where it's going to hold up to those slumps, to those really, really hard slumps that we're all going to encounter. And so... Um, what I so when I'm when I'm thinking about it, it's when I hit a slump. The first thing that gets ditched or that feels the pain from that slump is going to be creativity. It's going to be like so for my show when I'm coming up with new ideas and I'm brainstorming new ways to bring content and and I'm not doing like the the basic kind of leg work where I'm editing and processing and, and that kind of stuff. If I'm, if I'm writing uh, writing out script or if I'm, I'm coming up with a new idea for, for the next training program, then that, that takes creativity. It takes uh, thinking outside of the box and how, what's the best way to do this. And so that's one for me that's very hard to schedule and to lock down a time that like I'm going to do that during this time of the day. That doesn't really work for me too terribly well. Um, but when I, when I hit that slump and I hit that, that negative push from the world and I'm responding to it, it's not enough to just say, just push through it and just, and just, just, just push and, and keep fighting and go and I'm like, yeah, no, you should, but you've got to have a, for me, you have to have a better plan because I can't push through to be creative. I can't push through the negativity to be creative. Like that part of my brain is just turned off and I'm busy struggling and then, and the slump can be in something that's completely unrelated, and uh, the, or the the spur of it, the cause of it, can be something completely unrelated. But that that negativity 
cascades through like the different compartmentalizations that I make in my life of between work and family and, and relationships and uh, business. One uh, thing for me is that a negative, a significantly negative event from that can cascade through all of them. And so uh, things completely unrelated to the show can be negatively impacted by other aspects of my life. Um, or if I just hit something, I don't really know why. Then it can, it can affect it as well. So how do we best address these slumps with our actions? How can, how can, we, how can we battle through that um, in a way that is tangible and practical versus just saying, just fight, just, just show up, just do it? So for me, while, while the creativity aspect of things gets really, really bogged down when it comes to time, the time when I'm in the funk, the thing that doesn't get bogged down is like a lot of the nug work, like the the real like the, the nitty gritty stuff. Um, if if I have the a creativity stuff already laid out and I just need to implement it or I just need to edit some video or I need to write a description of what it is that I've already come up with or like for like say like for instance for this if I'm trying to write a show description for this recording then. Um, that doesn't take creativity on my part. That just takes sitting down and just writing it out. And I have to think about the words and everything, but it's not... I can work through that in a funk better than I can come up with the content that with what I'm going to talk about today. So that's the way that I find a way to work through that those funks is that, one, it's important to be productive because... A lot of times, so it, like I said, if, if the funk comes in and it's, and it's specific, or if it's not either way, if it's specific or not specifically uh, created by something in your life, it can, it can be broadened. The, the funk can be broadened and felt even more thoroughly, and, and you, could fall, you could sink deeper into it if you let it impact those other aspects of your life negatively. So if, I'm, if I stop creating... If I stop producing and I stop getting the victories for the show, then that's going to... And, it, and it's because of the funk that I know. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my fault. And I could be showing up and I could be doing this and I'm not. And, and now I'm not creating and now I didn't get this published when it was supposed to be. And I'm not... I didn't get my objectives met when I was supposed to. Um, all of that can further that slump and that, that mental funk and fog. So... It's so important for me to continue to work during those times. And so I've created a system for me that works really well where I have that nug work. I'm like, okay, I can, I can lean back. I have the creativity stuff lined out enough where I can get through three, four days consecutive of uh, being in a funk. And, and as I'm creating, or not creating, but as I'm getting work done, on that nug work, I'm getting little victories. And those little victories are actually actively combating that funk. And as I'm getting those victories, then I then I start to get the motivation back. And that motivation and resilience starts to overcome the funk that I'm in. So, but that sounds great and fine and dandy, but you have to... You, you're thinking, okay, well, that's cool because you already have that stuff laid out. And it sounds like a lot of groundwork in order to overcome those obstacles. And like, yes and no. It's, and there is groundwork that is required, but it's, um, 
it's a, it's about being myth, methodical about it. So if you if you're considering it now, uh, it's time it's the time to consider is when you're not in the funk. And like I said, you have to plan. You have to plan ahead. So consider what it takes for you to overcome it. For me, I have to have the nug work available. I have to have that the ability to get little victories through something that I know I'm going to be able to do when I'm in the funk. I cannot have that nug work if I do not have the creativity laid down. So it's super important for me to, to optimize my creativity whenever I can. So I will do a mixture of things. I will do as much as I can to facilitate the creative time and flow when it comes. Because if you pigeonhole yourself into, okay, well, I'm going to get up and before work, I'm going to have my creative time because that's when I'm most creative. That, I mean, that is fantastic. You absolutely should do that. However, for me, that's not enough because my creativity cannot be... I can't encapsulate it into a time every day. Now, I can get a lot done. I can, I can focus and I can get work done and I can get creative uh, work done if I... If I cut out specific time frames like a two hour time period in the morning where I'm going to sit down and I'm, I'm like I'm going to consider this I'm going to I'm going to work through it and I'm going to like let the ideas free flow that's great and, and ideas absolutely will come but I need to I have to create a system also that uh, encompasses the reality of the fact that I, the ideas are going to come up whenever they're going to come up so if I wake up at three in the morning and I have that idea that I've been waiting to break and I have I've been in a, a holding pattern waiting for something to come up and it finally hits at three in the morning and I don't have my life situated in a in a way that allows me to easily take advantage of that and jump on that opportunity and then it fades away and it's gone and you remember I've had this happened enough times where it spurred me to change my life um, where I wake up and I have a groundbreaking idea something where it's like it hits me in the head and I'm just like oh my gosh that's it that's the thing and I, I'm going to spend the next months of my life dedicated to this idea and expanding it and blowing it up and, and making it simple and easy for people to understand and it's so in, in my head, like that will happen at three in the morning. It'll happen at six o'clock at night, you know, or like while I'm in the midst of getting everything rolling for the night, getting dinner ready or whatever. Um, and I, in my head, I, I would think that this is so significant that there's no possible way that I could forget it. So I'll, I'll get to it. Let me, let me get this done real quick and I'll get to it. Nope. For me, big ideas like that um, can be like dreams where I'm, I have to, if I don't capture it right then and there in that moment, then I'm going to lose it. It's gonna, I'm going to try to squeeze onto it later, and it's going to slip right through my fingers. And, I'm, and especially a lot of times this happens at night uh, when I wake up and I have the idea because then it is just essentially just like a dream. So how do you, how do you confront this? And, and so the times where it's – the other time where I struggle with this too is if, uh, if I'm in dedicated kind of like family time. I'm there with the kids when we're watching a movie or we're having dinner. I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt that by work, you know, even when it's something that I'm super passionate about. Like, it's important for me to give my wife my undivided attention. It's important for me to, to let my kids know that they have my undivided attention. Even if we're watching a movie together, 
uh, it's important for them to have it. So having, say I'm sitting down watching a movie with the kids, and I have an idea, and I need to, I need to, I need to get it down. And I, rather than breaking out, even like, hey, I'll be right back, and then I go and I bust out to the office real quick. Uh, real quick turns into 20 minutes, 20 minutes turns into 30 minutes because the idea is exploding. Um, that that will ruin the moment and then I will resent myself, they'll resent me and it creates a, a whole negative situation. So what's a different way that we can go about approaching If we are going to dedicate time away from creativity, but we don't want to lose it. We don't want to lose those creative moments. I mean, it's really just as simple as setting your life up in a way that's conducive to being able to take <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's that simple. Um, but you have to do it. It has to be a conscious thing. And, and honestly, the more conscious that you are about it, the more, for me, like, it just, it created more opportunities for ideas to come up. And so my, I would start to think more, my, my mind would allow more creative thoughts to happen throughout the day than it did before. It's like I gave myself permission. And it was simply by doing two things. I would keep, I keep, Pens and notebooks littered throughout my house. Uh, my kids will tell you, they're, they're like, I'm, I'm like, you guys got to clean up. They're like, what about all this? I'm like, no, don't touch that. Don't touch the notebooks because I want a pen there. I want paper there. So it's, I have them in my kitchen. I have them in my living room. I have them in the hallway. I have them in my bedroom. I have them in my car. Um, I'll put them in my backpack when I go to work. Uh, I have them everywhere. And then also I have, and that's really secondary. Most of that's secondary because my primary means is uh, through just an, uh, like a post-it note app on my phone. And so, gotta, gotta love dogs. Uh, <laughs> sound like he's dying. Um, but, I, yeah, no, through a post-it note app, and all I do is I'll go in there and I'll make a title. I'll, I'll go in and I'll, I'll write a very imperfect sentence about it. So I will write a, an improper, imperfect sentence. And the, the goal is simply to get the idea down. Um, if I get enough down in 10 to 15 seconds, uh, I, can, I can get the basic idea that I'll be able to reference back to. And that's essentially what I need to do. And that's, that's it. And then that allows me to be creative at any point during the day. Not have to coordinate it off. Now, like I said, there's nothing wrong with cutting out two hours. That's a, if you can do that, that's amazing. But what is important to do is to be able to facilitate those thoughts at any time of the day so you're not limiting yourself you're not cutting off those those great ideas as they come up it's so important to be able to to be able to do that like i said this all goes back to planning for those funk times and so if you if you have the creative if you're if you're facilitating the creative flow throughout your day all the time and like i said this is very specific to me but i mean the, the same principle goes into effect for you that you need to plan in accordance with the fact that you know you're going to struggle. You know it's going to happen. So why not account for it while you're feeling great and you're on top of the world and do it in a way where it facilitates your ability to get to not only manage the funks better when they come up, but to be able to get through them faster and, and with a higher and better emotional state um, than, you would be, than you would handle them otherwise, which will then increase the likelihood for you to continue working towards that new goal um, or the old goal or whatever the case may be. It, it facilitates your ability to to continue to strive and continue to work towards abundance with that. So 
an interesting thing that I just ran into, and it's it's so crazy how. Uh, so I read that I've read the book The Alchemist. I've read it several times at this point. I'm reading it with the kids now, um, but it's so interesting how one part of it keeps coming true or, or rings, I guess, rings true for me is um, how the universe conspires to help you when you're seeking out your personal legend. And so this show is is one of many actions that I'm taking to pursue that personal legend. And it's so interesting that the, the world just... I mean, I, I choose paths that I think are beneficial for me and would thus then be also beneficial for the show. Um, and while I'm doing it, it's just like these gems come up. And, and when, even when I'm not actively doing things to better myself for the show or better myself in general, it's still like because so much of my life revolves around it then it just like it draws it in from all these unique places and one of the things that I came across recently is I'm listening to an audiobook and this audiobook was not selected because I thought it was going to help me with ideas for the show or anything like that or further my understanding it was simply like oh I've heard about I know Steven Pinker and it's not even the Enlightenment now like his newer newest book it's uh, Better Angels of Our Nature and so I, I got it at the library when I went with the kids to to get there, to get them reading, and because that's really important for me, reading and, and understanding, expanding your horizons both through fictional and non-fictional readings is really important. And so I'm trying to instill that in them at a young age. And so in one of the ways that I want to be able to do that is by uh, and expand my, my reading is by actually letting audiobooks, allowing audiobooks to take place in my life because that is... Uh, there's so much time in the car, and I like listening to podcasts. It's really it's fantastic for me. Um, but there's there's so many books out there that I feel like my time for reading is is shrinking when it, I need to be adding more into the reading list. So one way I'm doing it is by listening to audiobooks. So I decided to give this book in an audiobook form because I was because it was there. I wasn't even seeking it out. I literally just went over to the audiobook section in the library. And I saw it, and I was like, oh, Stephen Baker, better angel than you. I've heard this reference. Okay, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And one of the things that, and towards the end of the book now, one of the things that he talks about is uh, he references these the, these ego depletion experiments, social, psycho, so, social psychological experiments that were conducted. Um, and it's actually interesting because I went to go, I went to look them up. And there's recent studies that just came out that are actually contradicting a lot of the stuff in there. And, um, rather than getting too much in the weeds about it, so simply, to me, in my basic, simple, layman's terms, understanding of, uh, of ego depletion is it's, me- it's being mentally drained, right? It's the idea, the idea that if you assert a lot of willpower on one thing, you're you run out. Like, basically, it's like, there is a zero-sum game when it comes to your willpower. And it can rege- it can and will regenerate, but you have to account for the fact that it, it does get depleted. And while it is, while you're depleted, there will be negative impacts on your life. And so to me, that uh, this is relevant because it has to do with being in a slump. Uh, I think a lot of the slumps happen because, uh, can be spurred because we're ego, because of ego depletion. And so one of the things, like I said, and I try to make it simple and because we hear ego and then we think like, oh, he's got a big ego, she's got a big ego, um, you're really braggadocious and you're, you're uh, 
arrogant and overconfident and things like that, or maybe even you know appropriately confident. But you you're a, you're a lot, right? You're 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 a lot to deal with. Uh, that's not that's not what they're talking about. It's about like cognition. It's about an almost higher level or like moral level cognition and and how that is impaired by the use of your mind like energy power your willpower towards a specific event and and it's really basic stuff too it's really um the way that the the scientists actually went about depleting people's willpower was like it was stupendously simple things uh that significantly depleted our willpower um it was some of them were things like brushing your teeth with the wrong hand right <laughs> like because you're having to consciously think about the fact that you about how to effectively brush your teeth and one it's not something that you've done habitually and two it's it's not you're not as coordinated so it takes more mental power to do that um, and then and there's other things like writing a paper on a or writing a convincing speech on why tuition rates should be raised right and so like and, and then another one where you write a paper about the day in the life of an obese person who, um, without using any stereotypes, right? And so the idea here is basically that you're you're having to battle against the shortcuts that you would be using in your mind, right? And so and and when you eliminate those shortcuts, then you are you're using more of your willpower. And then they would test other things once their willpower is depleted, and they saw that. Um, they're, if they did the test when their willpower wasn't depleted, or after the the, the willpower depleting tests, um, and some of them are stuff that we've done before, just fun games or whatever that you've done in a class, like uh, uh, the co like the color test, where there will be words written down, typed out, like the word green will be typed out, but it will be typed in a red font, and it will say say the color. That the, of the font of the word and not not the word itself and you can do it people can do it and it, and it can take time and some people are more efficient than others but it drains that energy level that willpower and so one of the things that the the test asserted was this is where I'm going to get a little bit into the weeds but I'm going to jump right out of it this is the area that was contested and deemed to be uh, not accurate was they, they were talking about glucose levels in the brain and, and how your your brain uses the glucose in order to process and that it's actually the depletion of that is what leads to the the, the ego depletion that the negative impacts of it and um they come out with recent tests basically said that it was a bunch of bullcrap um but that's so so without getting any more in the weeds about the study and all that i'm not concerned about the glucose level and, and like the amount being specific and saying though the, the you specifically lose this much willpower when you use when you're doing this type of task uh, rather than being concerned with with that kind of stuff to me it's it's the same idea that uh, courage is a muscle and so if the more that you act courageously in little ways throughout your life, the more situations that require you to act in a way that is courageous or brave, um, the where you have to make decisions that you are scared of the outcome and you have and you make a choice in the face of it anyway, the more times you do that little bit by a little bit, the easier time that you're going to have with it when you're actually dealing with a significant emotional issue um, versus if you've never, if you keep yourself out and you keep yourself in a safe space, uh, a lot of the time you're going to have a lot more difficult time managing those big time situations where 
a lot of bravery or a lot of courage is required. To me, this is the same thing. I mean, some of the negative fallout from the this ego depletion are, are simply uh, you let off on a, on the grip, the grasp strength or the grip strength during a handshake, right? It's not that significant, or is it? You know, you're talking about the impact of uh, your first impression with somebody. People talk about the importance of a first impression. You only get one, and it's you. I've heard this. Uh, I think it was through the interview that I had with Mario Fox where. He talked about the, it takes seven follow-up encounters with somebody to overcome a first impression or to, to differentiate yourself from the first impression that you made. So if your grip is weak and someone interprets that as you being weak, it will take you seven more interactions to overcome that thought process on, on their part. And what's the likelihood that you're going to have seven more interactions with that person? Probably, probably slim. Probably slim. So, so it's important to, you know, if it's important for you to make that positive first impression, then it's important to, to be able to, to grip as long as you would like <laughs> and not give up early because your ego is depleted, because you've, you're mentally trained. So, but it's some, it's for things that are uh, innocuous to that level, to, to other aspects of your life that can be fairly significant, like, the willingness to negotiate on price or the willingness to pay a significantly higher price for a car, an attractive car, watch, or boat um, when your ego is depleted. So you're talking about potentially tens of thousands to twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars differences that you're spending on something simply because you're not as... Your, your mental shot group is not as tight as it could be. Uh, to jump into military phraseology, uh, that's... And, and so, so it's very important to identify that, and then you, then you consider ways, okay, well, how do we... If we're talking about... Like, when I talked about courage, you're thinking about, okay, well, um, I could volunteer for speaking engagements. I could do things that... that kind of scare me I could you know sign up for lessons to, to teach me how to cook if I'm if I've never cooked before and you're you're challenging yourself to new things a lot of those same things can actually apply will actually help in the same category as uh, when we're talking about ego depletion and, and being able to strengthen your ego in a way where you're not going to fall into these traps because some of the things that concern me is that when I think about my ego depletion and and things that I've had fallout with or, or that I'm not consistent with uh, sometimes it's with my kids and like upholding rules. Like they'll do something and when I'm on my game and I'm not mentally drained, I'm like, hey, don't do that. This is why you don't do that. You respect your sister, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. And uh, and when I'm not, I'm just like, oh, sometimes I'll just let it go. I don't say anything. Sometimes I'm like, stop it. And they're like, well, why? And I'm like, well, like, because I said so. I feel like because I said so is a clear indicator of ego depletion because we're not having the energy to actually explain to our kids why we want their behavior to change and it's such a such an opportunity for growth that why not take full advantage of it when you can and it's because we're drained we're mentally drained so how do you how do you keep your mental endurance higher and a lot of that is from doing things on a regular basis that do drain you it's little bits, you know, so you're not setting yourself up for failure, you're setting yourself up for being able to flex the muscle for longer periods of time because you do it frequently. So, 
my recommendation is to put yourself in situations where you need to be brave, right? And that will help you with the times when you're going to have to be brave when it's much more difficult later. And it will also help you when you are in a situation where um, you just, you need to be, your ego needs to not be depleted. You need to be able to, to flex and be strong and consistent when it comes to handling a heavy mental cognitive load. Um, so those types of things, uh, uh, and you can do some of the simple stuff, some of those, some of those basic things like those word games, um, that kind of stuff will help. It will deplete you and make it more difficult for when you, uh, it, it, it will give you that ego depletion. And so you'll become familiar again with that. And when, and it's interesting once you become aware of it and you start doing those things, you're like, Oh, I feel it. And then you're aware of it. And then you can also become aware of it when it comes up and it's not a test scenario, I guess, or a, where you're where you're creating it, where it's it's real life and you're depleted because of something that happened at work and you're, you just took a lot of a lot of mental energy and then you're dealing with real life uh, and like, oh and you can be aware of it and you can try to tap in and if you're doing it on a regular basis you can tap into those kind of reserves where you're like basically the endurance level of your mental cognition and your ego, uh, there's more of it to be depleted from. The, the source of it's larger. Um, your ability to last longer on different things is, is increased because you're doing those things on a regular basis. One of the most significant areas to take all of this into consideration with is when you're trying to figure out what those goals are for your life. Um, I know we just hit New Year's and so a lot of people have the resolutions and everything. Um, but hopefully you're not just looking for creative solutions and new ideas and, and and setting life resolutions just around that day hopefully you're, you're constantly kind of considering it and one of the areas that can be significantly impacted by this ego depletion and by funks is what we choose to select as like our life mission and our and our goal and what's the mission statement of you what's your mission statement What's I think about like what is the legacy of Matthew Lestalia? I want to create it. I want to be consciously in control of what that is. Um, so if you go down to a baseline and you think about all the options and opportunities that are out there, you have to think about the fact that there's a thousand. Five thousand, ten thousand, hundred, a million different types of opportunities, infinite opportunities that I could choose to pursue with my life and my energy and my passion. Um, and so, imagine that. Imagine that in the form of, uh, I don't know, uh, cars. So if you're trying to select a car and there's there's a million cars in the lot, <laughs> you are you going to have the type of reaction that is um, extremely possible. Like, oh, that's so awesome. I'm so happy there's so many cars. I'm just going to spend all this time breaking down each one individually. Think about that even on... We have created apps that help you select a car for... Help select a car for you. Um, which shows that it can be a stressful event. So if you're trying to manage a stressful decision like buying a car, and that's difficult, and you need assistance to do it for something that you want then and the, and the impact of it's not that 
serious, right? Because you, you're able to turn around and sell a car uh, if you don't want it, you know? And you can make payments on it. So even the financial aspect of it isn't even that detrimental <laughs> to, to start out with. Uh, but you're talking about the investing time and energy in something for the rest of your life. And you can cut and run at any time, but if, you, if you're trying to dig in and you're trying to make the, the best decision and you're trying to find the thing that you're passionate about that matters to you, that you want to devote the time and energy to, that you want to something that inspires you to stick with it when you get to go through the funk because that's so important to overcome a funk for a goal the goal has to be so incredibly attractive and all of this stuff is is going to be wrapped up in a in the training that I'm creating for people to help you to identify what that is now I can't tell you I can't tell you what you're going to be passionate about I can't tell you what you're going to want to do and I can't tell you uh, shoot what you want to do let alone what is going to create the most abundance for you, what's going to be good for you, and, and thus what you should do. I can't tell you that. But I, can, I have created a system that can help you to filter out a lot of the, a lot of the BS, a lot of the noise, um, to help get to a truer part of who you are, to aim more accurately and with precision and accuracy at the goal for the things that matter to you. Um, and then you can flex that into, into sig a significant part of your life. And so when you do that, then that helps you to overcome a lot of those funks too because you have that long-term, that bigger vision and you're able to work, work in the, like in the area where I was talking about where you're working through in your nug working it out you're able to do all of that in the creative work because you have a larger vision in which you're operating under and that you're planning under like I do daily planning that's mixed in with 90 day uh, quarterly kind of sprints where I I'm like oh, this is what I want to get done in the next 90 days and so when I set that out it, it gives me a kind of a guideline for that which to be creative about that which to to work and, and to get the basic work and everything done about um, and so if I'm able to get the idea, if I'm able to assist you in getting the idea out from you of what it is that you're passionate about, then we can start focusing on the planning and everything. Cause that can be, that's ironically, it's crazy that that's actually, that can be one of the most difficult things for people is, well, what do I want to do? Well, I'm not good at anything. I'm not, I don't, I, what am I passionate about? Well, I don't know. Like I just, I like doing this. I like fishing, you know, or whatever the case may be, but I don't know what I could do. I don't know what I can start a business in. Um, I can help. I can help. And I, like I said, I have a system that I've built that can help you get through to that. Um, it'll be coming out. I'll keep you guys updated and everything about about it and the details and all that. But like I said, if, you, if you're if you sitting there and you're, you're trying to make a decision on this from the, the infinite number of possibilities of things that you could do, then you might get to the point where you're so frustrated that you just throw your hands up. You just throw your arms up and you're like, I can't, well, I'm just going to do that because it's easiest. It's right here in front of me. I know people that are doing it and I know I can be successful doing that because I already know a little bit about it. And then you just fall into this rut where you, you lose the ownership of your life and you just succumb to the world around you rather than owning your narrative and owning who you are and choosing, choosing and being deliberate about your life.
and choosing not to be the bystander, not to be in the stands in the stadium of the game that of the game of your life. And so it's important to identify those things. It's important to identify that when we are in a funk, it's harder to make those big decisions that will impact us for the rest of our lives. And so if you're able to identify that and you're able to work on it, then it can set you up for success across the board and it can increase your happiness and it will bring the right type of people into your life and you will be able to live in a state of such abundance that you didn't even know was possible. And it will come in ways that you had no idea it, your life could could incorporate. It's it's a, it's a beautiful thing once you, once you take that step, but you have to take the step and you have to do it understanding the mental load that it's going to put on you and what you're going to have to do in order to overcome those obstacles. And like a, one of the easiest ones to identify is you know that you've been in a slump. You know you've been in a slump with things you don't want to do. So, and with things that you've liked before in the past. The slumps happen and like there's a reason that you're not playing guitar anymore. There's a reason that you're not you're not in uh, flag football league or whatever the case may be. You know, like you, you hit a slump and then you let it overtake you. And so, it's it's extremely, it's extraordinarily, inordinately, inordinately important that you identify the fact that you're going to hit a slump and that you need to plan for that. You need to have a plan in place that is going to carry you through those mental fog moments, those slump times. Because if you don't, it's going to be really hard to overcome. You're going to hit. You're going to fall back in to the old habits that you had before, that are not that are that are creating the level of abundance that you have now. Maybe that's high. Maybe the level of abundance that you have right now is supremely high, and so falling back on it isn't that terrible. But is your life perfect? Do you have everything that you could have in in emotionally and in your relationships? And because I'm not just talking about material goods, but uh, there's there's room for improvement. There's room for a button for more abundance than we have now. Otherwise, what's the point in living? Like, if you're perfect and you're good to go, then cool, man. Then I'm, you know this show's not for you. Good job. Proud of you. Second coming. <laughs> but most likely, there's areas that you can improve on. And if we want to see real growth over our lifetimes, planning for the hard times is a must. And so, do it. Do it. And I will be coming out with training that will assist you in identifying and targeting and proper aiming and overcoming these. Um, and so hopefully this little tidbit of information on how I overcome some slumps and some of those mental fogs and how I, I've able to incorporate techniques about ego depletion, hopefully that's helpful. And you're able to incorporate some of those things into your life and with the goals that you have going on now, especially, like I said, with New Year's here and we're in that particularly fun time, right, where we're, start, we're going to start getting challenged. If you haven't been challenged yet, oh, it's coming. You give it a couple of weeks because I. what's the stat? It's like most people give up on their resolutions by the end of February. And to me, when I heard that, I was I was surprised. Not in the sense that it was quick, in the sense that I was like, that's a lot longer <laughs> than I would have anticipated for people holding on to their goals. So if that, with that being the case, I mean, we're halfway through January. So you might still be, hopefully I'm catching you when you're in this super positive swing and you're, and you're still incorporating and, and, and knocking out all of these new... Uh, habits and, and, and 
bringing me into your life and you're, you're still passionate about it and you haven't hit that fog or that, that funk yet because if that's the case, this is the time to plan for it. This is the time to know I'm going to hit a crap point. I'm going to hit a point where I'm not going to be able to put any work towards this for three days and how, do I, how am I going to handle that? I'm here for you. I got you. So if that's the case, implement it and make your plans now and um, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I, I know that there's gonna there's a lot of changes and um, with the show this year, and there's gonna be less focus on there's gonna be less of a focus on on making sure that there's an interview for you guys every week. But there's going to be uh, I'm gonna start making sure that there's additional productions for those that that want to join the group that actually want to come in the group and uh, and participate with us there. I'm going to make additional recordings for you just for you guys, and I'll make add-ons to other videos and stuff. To make uh, to make the group you know a little bit more fun, a little, and so if you wanna if you wanna be a part of that, then come onto the group. Um, I'll let the consistent ones are still gonna be Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and um, and then like I said, if you're in the group, then you'll get some you'll get some bonus content every week as well. So it's coming up, big changes are coming. I got training programs coming up, um, and there's there's a lot of really cool, awesome things that are gonna be coming in 2020. So I'm glad that you're here and ready to experience it with me and. And I'm excited to go along this journey with all of you. Thank you so much, and I will see you here tomorrow. <laughs> What's glorious about this? My leg. One, I'm listening to somebody's music from the car. That's something that I love. <laughs> I've become such an old man. Oh, look, there's a big old fat squirrel. You like this outtake? <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is the other part. This is the nuts. <laughs> it almost just fell down. This is the the knot. So uh, fantastic part about choosing to record the part. <laughs> so I'm sitting with my leg crossed and my leg just falls dead asleep. <laughs> I'm getting up to walk around and I'm just like I'm like walking around like a crazy person. But uh, <laughs> so, welcome to uh, the reality of recording. <laughs> And uh, not in the nice little corner studio that I built out in my apartment. <laughs>